The 24th annual McMinimins UFO Fest is descending on McMinnville May 17th and 18th. There will be live music, parades, costume balls, and contests. You can also hear expert speakers and first-person accounts of UFO encounters, including from former Navy pilot Ryan Graves, who last year came out very publicly about our military's regular UFO sightings. Do you remember that? That was super weird. Other guest speakers include Garrett M. Graff, author of really long-titled books like The U.S. government's 80-year quest to understand the mystery of UFOs, and Roderick Martin, host of the podcast High Strangeness. Tickets are available for believers and skeptics alike at ufofest.com. Today on CityCast Portland, Black pioneers and cowboys have always been a part of America's story, even if we didn't learn much about it in school. Thankfully, we're all becoming more aware of the gaping holes in our shared histories. For example, did you know that white cowboy culture was modeled after the Mexican and Spanish vaqueros? Right down to the modern-day cowboy hat and boots. That's right, Mexicans. Frontier times were a lot more inclusive and interesting than many of our Western films have led us to believe. And Ivan McClellan, a Portland-based photojournalist, is hoping to uncover and share a bit of that hidden history on Saturday, June 17th at the Expo Center. His 8 Seconds Juneteenth Rodeo is not only going to introduce many of us to black cowboy culture, but it's going to showcase some of the best horse riding you'll see all summer. It's Thursday, June 8th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Ivan, thanks so much for making time for us. Oh Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I feel like when people think of cowboys, most people immediately think of like John Wayne or like white guys in cowboy hats. Uh, but that was never the truth, right? As you've been learning? Well, I mean, it was part of the truth. You know, I think our work has never been to take away that icon. Like I grew up with that icon and I love it. We grew up watching... Bonanza and Gunsmoke. I remember when when Tombstone came out with with Val Kilmer, and he was like, "I'm your Huckleberry." We oh walked around God. and said that for years. And- what was it about that, Ivan? Because I feel like a certain generation. I'm now including you in mine. Always, I'm your Huckleberry. Like, what was it about like some dude who almost ha- who was dying of like consumption was so yeah. cool and captivated our minds. <laughs> you know, I would pretend to cough into little rags because I was just like, <laughs> yeah, know, I don't, just- I don't know what it was. I was probably, you know, in elementary school at the time and it just, it just hit hard. I don't know why, but it just seemed like maybe the least badass thing to say. <laughs> Really is. I'm your huckleberry. He could have been like, I'm your, I'm your precious strawberry, and we would have been like, damn, that's so hard. Exactly. <laughs> because he was fast at his guns. That's why. I mean, if you like said, I'm your huckleberry, and then he got shot, that would have been <laughs> that would have been sad. But, but he, he was so uh, so cowboy that he could get away with saying ridiculous things, and uh, I don't know that that icon. Like, I love it. And and it's never been the intent of my work to take a thing to from that, but to add to it. I mean, I grew up in Kansas and I grew up with, you know, Mr. Wills down the street had cows. And we were like, oh, Mr. Wills is always out there messing around with them cows. You know, we lived on five acres 
And every, everybody on our block had five acres behind their house. You know, we would run around in the field, no shoes on, picking blackberries, catching fireflies. Like that was just like how we, how we lived. But I never related to any of that. And I never called Mr. Wills a cowboy, even though he was cowboying Mm -hmm. because, because of that icon. I just, I really, I really thought that that a cowboy was a white person. And I thought that a black cowboy was a punchline because in Hollywood, uh, Cowboy Curtis on Pee Wee's Playhouse was a joke. He was flamboyant and ridiculously dressed and did, did silly things. Um, there, there was a period of time where like, it was a joke. It was a punchline of like, it was enough to get a movie greenlit to say, what if the president was black, you know, mm-hmm. and he's Chris Rock and it's, and insanity ensues, you know, it's yeah. just like, of course, that's something that could never happen. And then it happened. And it was like, whoa, um, when I, when I got invited to my first black rodeo in Okmulgee, Oklahoma, uh, in 2015, I was absolutely blown back to see 2000 black cowboys that were definitively cowboys. They weren't anything like what I'd seen in movies, but that's how they defined themselves. And they were absolutely proud and absolutely skilled to be cowboys. And it, it disrupted that icon for me, you know, permanently. Tell me about that a little bit. Like, you know, a lot of people have not been to a rodeo. They don't know what is going on. Like, could you walk us through it just a little bit? Yeah, that rodeo, um, you know, I, I remember seeing hundreds and hundreds of horse trailers. Um, it was 105 degrees and just like the smell and 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 the barbecue smoke in the air and the hip hop and R&B and gospel mingling coming out of different trailers um, just created this atmosphere. There were big old you know, Monsanto bugs, like jumping on my clothes, grasshoppers (laughs) as big as my hands. Um, But were people just wearing like traditional cowboy garb? Like, tell me about that. No, no. I saw like young men with no shirt on because it was hot. And then they had on like gold chains. And then some guys were wearing like Jordans and basketball shorts. And they were riding horses like this, walking around, talking trash to the other riders. I saw in the barrel race, you know, women that were cowboys, they were wearing cowboy hats, but they had long box braids, you know, blowing in the wind behind, behind them. And they had acrylic nails and they were bedazzled from head to toe. And, uh, you know, old men that were, you know, more like traditional cowboys, precise mustaches, shirts so starched, you could hear them crunch when they moved their arms, like Stetsons, big straw Stetsons, but they had on pinky rings and, and, you know, kind of sat on their horse a little bit different sat on their horse like you would sit on a lazy boy recliner, like really comfortable. And, you know, before they played the national anthem, they played uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing. And everybody took off their hat and, and, were, and were reverent to that moment. And um, just the music that was played by the DJ, the way that the announcer interacted with the athletes, the swagger of the athletes, all of these things were were unfamiliar to me. And I had been to rodeos and, you know, I had watched the Westerns, but like in the, in this place, it felt more like the church that I had grown up in than it did like a Western. Yeah. I love um, that it opened up with like the black national anthem. Yeah, absolutely. A singer came out and belted, lift every voice and sang, full-throated, absolutely passionate. 
for four minutes. I think it's typically like a two minute song. And they, they, they just say, they started all over and sang it and sang it and sang it. And the crowd cheered and supported them as they sang and got down on his knees. And, and then they played a recording of the national anthem. Somebody just <laughs> <Yeah>. hit play. <laughs> They're just like, you know, you, you've heard this song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't anywhere near as spectacular. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a handful of years ago, like black cowboy culture really seeped into the mainstream because, you know, black cowboys, black pioneers, that's, that's a historical fact. Um, but I feel like urban black cowboys really, I mean, little Nas X, but not only that, I mean, the Compton Cowboys have been doing their thing for years and a lot of people don't know. Have you heard of the Compton Cowboys? Yeah. Yeah. I've been down there and hung out with them. That's so cool. Could you explain that to someone who maybe has not heard of who the Compton Cowboys are? Yeah. So they're uh, a riding club. They're, they're a group of cowboys that you know, raise horses and they have a youth program where they teach kids uh, horsemanship and equestrian. The core group are about, oh, six to eight guys and women that um, grew up in Compton and they came across this horse program and it it saved their lives and it was a real positive influence uh, for them. Um, turns out Compton is zoned agricultural land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And every house there has something going on behind it, whether it's horses or goats or or, or chickens. Um, so this is pretty common. But the Compton Cowboys have kind of taken their message and blown it up and made it completely global and unique and have worked with brands from Adidas to Burberry and really prominent figures and sort of letting people know that black cowboys are real and that they're out here. You know, I, I brought up the Compton Cowboys because when you were talking about uh, the first rodeo you saw and you were saying like, oh, they were in chains, they were wearing, you know, Jordans. I was just like, oh, how you must have heard of the Compton Cowboys then because like I feel like even though they do don some more traditional Western wear, a lot of the kids are just going up there with what they have, like what they're wearing, you know? Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, uh, did they give you the Friday tour? Did you get to see Craig and Smokey's house at all? <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Um, yeah, yeah. we were, that. it was it was a very professional deal. There okay, were creative gotcha. directors there. And- <laughs> No, yeah, we're real <laughs> shooters. We didn't go to Smokey's house. <laughs> we were getting paid. <laughs> okay, I understand. I understand. I'm just yeah. saying, whenever I take a friend uh, over to LA, I'm always just like, and this is Smokey's house, and that is Craig's house, and they were actually across the street from each other. <laughs> just, anyhow, all right, well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, Black Cowboy history in Oregon and what events to expect at the rodeo. Have you ever wished you could just go somewhere and decorate cakes? If you're nodding your head right now, well, Cake Hoopla has got you covered. A do-it-yourself cake and cupcake decorating studio in Tiger, they supply you with everything needed, including the baked cakes and cupcakes, and the frosting, the fondant, the sprinkles, tools, and even instructions if you're going for something a bit more highfalutin. You can join workshops, book private parties, or order kits to take home. No matter the skill level, Cake Hoopla has something for everyone. They even offer customizable packages for any kind of party. Kids' birthdays, company events, bridal showers, holiday parties, team building, you get it. Customers can also book a table, the party room, the whole studio, or just choose a pickup option. For more info, head over to Cake Hoopla in Tiger just off I-5 or go to cakehoopla.com. 
I learned all about the uh, early black pioneers that settled in Oregon uh, in the latter part of the 1800s, like not that long ago. Have you dug into that history at all? Yeah, there, there were, you know, there were some really great cowboys here. Uh, Jess Stahl um, was a Bronco rider and he was very, very good, legendarily good. Um, he would wear sheep fur chaps. And when he would go to the rodeo, they said that it was unfair for him to compete for money as white people do. And so he would, he would come out as an exhibition act and do ridiculous things on a bucking Bronco. He would ride a bucking Bronco backwards, or he would ride a bucking Bronco while drinking a cup of tea. (laughs) And that, and that's, that's sort of how he became known. Um, I just recently went to the homestead of Letitia Carson, which is outside of Corvallis. And she was one of the first black landowners in all of Oregon. She moved here with a white man and they gave them two land claims of over 300 acres, but then they found out she was black and they took hers back and then her husband died. And then they took all of the land and kicked her off of it. And she ended up successfully suing the state to get uh, some of that land back and uh, ended up raising cattle on that land. Um, there's still cattle on that land today. It's owned by OSU. Um, it's, it's an incredible story. And the way she suffered and, and continued to fight for justice was, was remarkable in an incredibly hostile environment. And uh, I think she's somebody that, that should be known by every you know school child and celebrate it far and wide, celebrate it as much as the Lewis and Clark expedition, you know, like this, this, this should be on our collateral as a state. Yeah. What's the hardest part of putting on your own rodeo? (laughs) That's such a huge endeavor. (laughs) It's a crazy thing to do. Um, (laughs) I've realized through this that I'm a crazy person um, (laughs) because all of it is hard. We, (laughs) We not only are doing a rodeo, but we're doing a black rodeo in Portland, Oregon, uh, which has never been done. And and I've learned why um, you have to bring, <laughs> <laughs> you have to get 40 some odd athletes to drive a horse and trailer over the Rockies uh, with gas over $4 a gallon. There really wasn't a good place to have the rodeo. We wanted to have, we, we initially decided to have it at a traditional rodeo grounds in Boring. Boring Oregon, and it was going to be the boring rodeo, the boring black rodeo, and I just, (laughs) and I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. You're like the brand. I couldn't do it. I couldn't let the brand die that way. (laughs) (laughs) The sponsors wouldn't have come along with us, and um, and I don't, I don't think that black folks would have traveled outside of the city Mm. to to go to that, Uh, you know, uh, for safety issues or convenience issues. I just didn't think that we would we'd be able to draw a black crowd out there. And we wanted to have it on a max line so that everybody had access to go. And we really wanted to have it in Portland because we just thought Portland's at this crazy transition moment. It's it's a city in change. And having the rodeo here where where you know where I live could have a meaningful impact, you know, to the economy, to the young people that are that are gonna come and see these black cowboys for the first time. Like I thought it was important to have it in the city, though there's not yeah. a ton of big rodeo sized spaces. We ended up having it at the Expo Center. The Expo Center is a giant empty space. 
and they charge you to come in and, and do your thing there, but you have to build everything from scratch. So we have to bring in dirt, bleachers, fencing, audio, sound, uh, everything has to be built uh, from nothing. You have to build the pens and everything. Yeah. Yeah, wow. we have to build the animal pins. We have to build. We have to build everything uh, from the ground up, and so it's been enormously expensive, logistically complicated. If we pull it off, I'm I'm just going to weep because uh, it's 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 been so so tough, and it, it's not only been tough on us; it's been tough on the Expo Center. Yeah, but I mean, Ivan, all this is going to pay off. I feel like you're going to see that little kid look at a black cowboy and then immediately be like here's my place in American culture and like people are going to see black cowboys and they're just going to be like oh yeah that was never the full story that's the goal is that you know some of these figures that are coming are 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 legends in the in the black cowboy world there's Billy Ray Thunder the 68 year old bronco rider <laughs> nice. and he's going to come and come and thrill the crowd and there's uh Trey Hosley, who who was in the Compton Cowboys, uh, he grew up with those guys. He's coming to ride Broncos as well. And at the at the beginning of the of the show, uh, all the riders are going to come out on the dirt and their horses and ride around. And I just I just think that when those doors open and the music is is blaring and the lights are going crazy and and all those athletes coming to the dirt, like people are going to be really moved. And and I, I know when I saw that, I was. I was I was blown away and I I undeniably knew this was a part of me and this is a part of my culture and um you know I haven't gone back since and I'm hoping that 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 transformation happens to a lot of other people. Yeah. So you told us about some amazing writers that are coming through and you know what to expect the pageantry at the top but could you give us a uh, just a bit more if if anyone's never been to a rodeo they want to participate they want to they want to come support Juneteenth like what else are they are they getting themselves into? So we open up at three. We're gonna have a cowboy teaching roping lessons, so you can learn to rope. We're gonna have a mechanical bull uh, in exhibit hall A. There's gonna be you know vendors from food to uh, apparel, a lot of black owned local apparel vendors, and then there's gonna be a lot of agencies from uh, the fire department is gonna be recruiting out there to reach are going to be doing like a bunch of different medical screenings and stuff like that. There's a VIP experience. There's a VIP bar that's uh, being set up by Jack Daniels. So we're going to have a lot of folks in there hanging out, having craft cocktails. And then the rodeo starts at seven. We're going to start with lift every voice and sing. We're going to try and get that to five minutes. Um, <laughs> This time around. <laughs> You're like, that is a 20-minute anthem. <laughs> That'd be so great if every black rodeo just tries to up that time. Exactly. <laughs> you know? How long was your black national anthem? <laughs> Pathetic. They didn't even oh. try. Three minutes. <laughs> so, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start off there and then um we're going to incorporate some of these stories. We're going to tell the story of Jess Stahl. We're going to tell the story of Letitia Carson. Nice. Um, so we have that storytelling component there. And we don't lose track of the fact that this is a Juneteenth celebration. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we just came off of the, the strawberry moon. There was a strawberry full moon during Juneteenth. We imagine that the enslaved folks down in Texas were picking strawberries because it was peak strawberry season at the time. 
And um, during Juneteenth, we drink strawberry soda and we eat red velvet cake. And, you know, strawberries will be on hand in the vendor areas to celebrate and commemorate the day. Um, that was the thing that I, the, the only thing that I knew about Juneteenth and why I loved it as a kid was because we drank strawberry pop and it yeah. was very exciting. Um, we're doing five rodeo sports, six, including mutton busting, which is kids riding cheap. Oh my God. Are you going to let your kids mutton bust? Absolutely. They, <laughs> they kind of have to. <laughs> I feel like not one of them ends without one of them crying. Like everyone's no, crying. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, yes, child, <laughs> fall from this mutton. <laughs> They, the, my kids are really like cocky about it, and they're like, "I'm gonna win." The winner of the mutton busting gets 500 bucks. I'm just, I just know there's gonna be the moment where they get next to the sheep and go, "Oh, this thing is as tall as me, and it's 200 pounds." Yeah. Like a sheep is not to be messed with. They're pretty serious animals. Um, but for some reason, we throw, we just throw a kid on there. And- <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I love that you're just like, and that is a tradition we will continue to keep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it always always ends up in tears. Guys, um, go check it out. YouTube, mutton mutton busting. You are not going to find one triumphant child. Every child no. is on the floor crying. <laughs> it's amazing. Every child loses at mutton busting. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have some ringers. We're gonna have some country kids that have done this before uh, cool. coming out and riding. But you know, you never know. Twenty bucks, your kid can can get traumatized at the, at the eight seconds. <laughs> 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 oh my god, I love it. So, yeah. how will you know that all of your effort paid off? Like your insanely hard work. Um, this year it's it's just about executing a thing. It's so enormously complicated and so expensive and my goal is to pull off an event where everyone is safe and where everybody has a good time. Those are those those are my goals. You know, it initially started out as like, this is going to be the best rodeo of all time. This is going <laughs> to change the Western game. And like, I got humbled. I think one of the first people that I talked to, uh, I ran into a guy and I said, you know, I've just been walking around telling people about it. Grassroots, like getting people engaged, getting people excited. And uh, I walked up to a guy and I said, hey, have you uh, heard about the black rodeo that's coming to town? He said, no. I said, yeah, we're doing a black rodeo. Uh, at the expo center, you should come out and check it out. He said, man, that's so great. What's a rodeo? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, no. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm really, I mean, I'm really happy it's happening. I'm really proud of you. We're a very small podcast, but if there's ever anything we can do to help, you know, we'll be your huckleberry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. And then you shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Claudia, do you remember how that plays out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. I shoot the the, the, the oppressive cowboy stereotype that, that never oh, existed. Got um, it, got it. No, no. <laughs> You're just like, oh, sh- shit, is she going to shoot me now? <laughs> <laughs> Much appreciated. <laughs> You can still buy tickets for the 8 Seconds Juneteenth Rodeo. We'll link to it in our show notes. Doors will open at 3 p.m. And as Ivan mentioned, there will be vendors and activities throughout the day with the rodeo show happening at 7 p.m. There are other cool things happening all over Portland that Juneteenth weekend, which is next weekend, starting on the 16th. Here are some of our picks. 
On Friday night, the 16th, there will be a Juneteenth cookout at the Red on Salmon Street. So live music, DJs, food vendors, a photo booth, activities for kids, you know, a full bar. It's going to be awesome. There's also the parade that kicks the whole celebration off on Saturday the 17th at 11 a.m. The parade route is along Northeast Knott Street with the starting point at the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. School just south of MLK Boulevard. There's also going to be live music, food vendors, and things to do for the whole family all weekend long at Lillis Albina Park on North Flint and North Russell. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll also throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend, rate or leave us a really good review. It all helps us out. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.